I'm excited. I'm excited about this new series we're going to start today called The Promise. Have any of you been promised something by someone that maybe, maybe it was a big promise and for whatever reason they, they couldn't deliver? I mean, they probably had the right excuses or good excuses or whatever, but excuses are just excuses, right? You know, the, the, the situation changed. I'm sorry, the circumstances are, are different. I'm sorry, the money's no longer available, um, you know, or I just changed my mind. That's devastating sometimes for many reasons, but mainly two things. You're disappointed because of the thing that you're not getting, the promise. And then if you care about that person who promised it to you, you're devastated because you're dis- it's a disappointment that you have to go through that they failed, that they didn't follow through, they didn't come through. Perhaps it was a job that was promised and it, it didn't materialize, or a promotion or a pay raise. Maybe it's a, the promise of a dream vacation that didn't... I better shut up right there. I'm going to get a bunch of guys in trouble. Um, We could go on and on with these kind of things. And there's some promises that are even much deeper. I'm not going to make a list of those. You know exactly that sometimes that are broken in our life. (laughs) Aren't you glad you came today? So uplifting, Pastor. Thank you. Listen, no, when I started, yeah, we're going to get there. When I started in ministry, it was a part-time student position, student pastor. And they said, if you can prove to us that this is a full-time position, then we'll move you up. You know, keep track of your hours. Keep track of what's going on. Um, if, you, if there's growth that occurs in the student department, all these things, if you'll do this over time, then we'll bump you up and we'll go full-time. And so that's what I did. I kept track of my hours. I kept track of time. The time I went and spent at ball games and, and of different students and different things and lock-ins. Oh, dear God, lock-ins. Thank God we've gotten away from lock-ins. Don't ever do a lock-in. I will shut that down. But listen, and the youth, the youth group grew from 40 to 85 on a weekly basis. All these things happened, and, and it didn't, but I didn't get promoted. Disappointing. It's bad enough to be promised by an organization or somebody that you care about and them not follow through, but what about God? What about when you feel that God has failed you or that God has forgotten you or those promises that you feel like he gave you and you, you look down and you kind of it looks to you like they're shattered? Well, as usual, we're going to get real today. If you know me and you've been around here, you know that's kind of the MO. We don't fool around. We don't hide behind the Christian mask of everything's okay all the time. It's not. That you never experience uh, disappointment or disillusionment. That's, That's not true at all. Can I pray for us? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would anoint your word, that it would become rhema and life giving. You would open our hearts and minds to it, that you would get me out of the way, that I would be less and less so that you could become more. In Jesus' name, amen. We've all been there. We've all had those moments or even seasons where we're questioning God's promises in our lives. We may go some time without even really sensing his presence or seeing his hand at work. Pastor Russ, you preached a lot about that last week. You may be sitting here today thinking, God, where are you? 
What happened to those promises that you put in my heart so many years ago? Or maybe you are here and you're so hurt from human failures and human relationships that you're like, I'm done with all of it. I'm not going to trust anybody again, including God. I'm just going to get myself a dog and we'll be over here. Anybody? Okay, no, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. That's real. That's real. In this series, I want to take us on the journey of a promise that spans thousands of years. And it was decades. Everybody say decades. It was decades before there was ever even really a sign of the fulfillment of this promise. Decades. You're like, Pastor, you're not helping anything right now at all. Through the story of Abraham, I want us to understand that God is not limited by time. God is not limited by your mistakes. God is not limited by any obstacle, any sickness, or even death. God will not be stopped. His word will not be silenced. His promises are yes and amen. And if he promised it and put it in your heart and he confirmed it in his word, I don't care if years have passed. I don't care what mistakes have been made. I don't care if all hell has come against you. Paul said in Philippians 1, 6, being confident. Everybody say confident. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Somebody give him praise by faith if you believe in his word. God will not be stopped. His promises will not be stopped. If he put something in your heart and confirmed it in his word, he will follow through. Let's look at our text. I'm going all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. This is 4,000 years ago. Jesus came on the scene 2,000 years ago. This is 2,000 years before that. It's amazing that God's word is still valid and true and real in our lives today. It's a miracle of God's word. Genesis 12, 1. The Lord had said to Abram, and his name would be changed later to what? Abraham. Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will show you. So God tells Abram to leave his home, to leave what is familiar, to depart what is comfortable, and just start walking. (laughs) Just just, just leave. Just start, just start. He doesn't even give him a destination yet. He just says, leave, start walking. Some of you know that Kathy and I have been looking for a house we haven't owned. We've been renting for the last 10 years or so. And thank God, we, I think we found one and we're going to close in March on a, on a new house. We're excited. Yeah. Um, there's a sign up to help pastor move right out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sort of kidding anyway, but if you want to do that, it's fine. Um, so, yeah, we're excited about that, but I'm already dreading the move. Anybody with me? It's just horrible. It's just terrible. There's just nothing fun about it. And listen, we know how to do it. We've done it. We're professionals. 
And we're not hoarders. We probably throw stuff that we're not supposed to throw away. Okay? Throw away. We, we, it, it, and here, <laughs> the house is around the corner. It's in the same subdivision. <laughs> so it's not, you know, I can't imagine getting into the U-Haul with my kids and just starting to drive. No destination. Just, just leave. Just go. Just drive. But that's what he does. Sometimes, listen. Sometimes when God speaks to our hearts, actually, I would say most of the time when God speaks to our hearts, we don't get all the details up front. And it's during that period of the process, it's not really our job to try to fill in the details, to try to fill in the gaps. When we start trying to connect the dots and fill in the gaps, we're going to mess it up every single time. We're going to learn that Abraham did that too, and all it does is delay the promise and cause all kinds of problems. And listen, folks, I'm the world's worst. I'm an administrator. I'm a professional dot connector. That's what I do. I want a plan, Doug. I want it to come together. And it kills me when there's missing gaps. But listen to me. That's the way it is in God. We don't get all the details. I mean, I know some of you are like, I just like to float along in life. I don't have to have all the details. That's not me. Am I, am I preaching to anybody? Come on. I've, I want it. But that's, that's not what God does. And he does it on purpose. It seems mean, but he's not. It really goes back again to your message again. It's the time on the wheel. It's the time of testing. Oh, God doesn't do it. Yes, he does. He tests our faith and our character to see if when we're ready to carry the promise. And that's what he's doing with Abraham. And that's what he's going to do with us. And during this time, we develop patience through the process. I don't need patience. Yes, you do. And so do I. So do I. God help us. So God continues in verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. This is what we call the Abrahamic covenant. That's a theological big word for just God's promise to make Abraham into a great nation and then bless the entire world through that nation. Does anybody want to venture a guess on who this is ultimately talking about? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Yes, Isaac was the promised son and he would be born, but he was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. And then he would have Jacob and God would change his name to Israel, and then he would have 12 sons, and they would become the 12 tribes of Israel, and they would become a great nation, the same nation that's over there right now, Israel, that's still standing today, 4,000 years later, come on, and through that lineage, and through that tribe, Jesus Christ would come onto the scene, and would become the Savior of the world, this thing has always been, and will always be about Jesus Christ. Abram had no idea the weight of what was truly happening here. Let me look at me. When God speaks to our heart, we don't know either. We don't fully know, and that's on purpose because we couldn't handle it. If God revealed everything and every step and every failure and every success and, and, and disappointment all at one time, we could not handle it. It would ruin our life. 
I think you said it last week. If God, the best thing he could do, the worst thing he could do is answer all our prayers. He knows the end from the beginning. And we have to trust him when we don't know all the details. Abraham had no idea what was at stake here, and neither do we. But he just gives one condition. God just gives one condition, and that is obedience. Not talent. Somebody praise God. Come on. Not talent. Not the smartest person in the room. Not the most gifted. Obedience. That's it. Just start walking. God used the word will five times in these two short verses. In other words, Abram, you're not going to get it all right now. It's in the future. I will do this. I will do that. I will. Now, I don't know about you. I, actually, I do know about you because you're just like me. I want my stuff and I want it now. We don't want to wait on anything. I mean, come on, don't lie in church. You're the same as me. We, 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 we expedite our, our deliveries on Amazon because we can't wait two days. We pay extra to get it tomorrow. Don't lie. You do it. Now listen, if you're in business, you know this is true. You better, whatever it is you provide, you better be able to come up with a way to do it fast because somebody down the street's going to come up with a faster way and they're going to steal your business. In the morning, I'm going to get on to an airplane and in 24 hours, God willing, I'm going to be standing in Southeast Asia, Thailand. Yeah, I'll tell you about that in a minute. I was like, what? I want you to pray for me at the end, but I'll tell you about the trip in just a second. But I spent a little bit extra on the ticket. I wish it was first class. It's not. So don't think Pastor Allen's got that kind of money. I do not. Listen, I... I spent a little extra because I saw one that got me there faster. Why? Because I don't want to spend 12 hours in the airport in Seoul, Korea. Does anybody else? No. So, yeah, that's how we are. That's how we are wired. We pay more to get it fast. Folks, you've got to hear me today. This may be one of the most important things that I say. We need to get it through our stubborn American heads that God just doesn't work on our timetable. He doesn't do it. Look at the screen. God's blessings are delivered through obedience, not expedited service. (laughs) Somebody needs to write that one and put it on your forehead so that when you put it on your mirror, see it every day. We can't order God's blessings. We can't have God's blessings delivered overnight through Amazon. God is not going to conform to our schedule. He is God. He is sovereign. He is eternal. And he is not bound by what we are bound. Listen, the sooner we learn this principle, the sooner we can get on with what he has called us to do and the purpose for our lives. There are people, maybe here, you've been saved for years. Years saved. And you have not gotten this this principle. And what are you doing? You're going around and around in a circle. Where are the promises? 
What happened to the, what happened to the prom? Where's the blessing? I'm seeing the same thing over and over again. What happened? You're going around the same struggles. You're going around the same testing. You're, you've not passed the first test. Just start walking. Be obedient to me and let me handle the rest and I'll show it to you in time. But until we understand that, we will continue to circle the mountain. I can't do that again. I'm getting sick. Okay, I just want to make sure. Wow. Old. God may not call, God may not call you to physically leave your home like Abram, but he will certainly, certainly call you to make a departure from some things that are hindering you and holding you back from your purpose. Things that are causing you to go around in circles. You know, that's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Going around and around and thinking the view is going to eventually change. It will not. And you will be disappointed in your faith. You will be disappointed in your walk. Hold on, hold on, I got something fun. It's fun for me, we'll see. Anytime I can hold one of these is, is, a, is, a, is a good thing. Come on, any golfers in the house? Come on, only two, three? Okay. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not very good, but I love, I love to play. I love to play. Dr. Thomas and I, that's, that's shouting down here on the front row, we, we get to... We get to go a few times a year and have a good time and laugh at each other and do all that stuff. When I first started playing about 20 years ago, I did what 90% of golfers do, and that's slice the ball. That means you hit it and it goes, Woo! it's like a banana. Or if you're left-handed, it goes the other way. And so as I got better, my swing got better naturally, and it's, it, it still does that, but not so much, okay? And so, but I was so stubborn, I was so stubborn that I would still aim down the middle. Because I'm like, no, that's where you're supposed to aim. That's where you aim where you want the ball to go. I'm not going to do anything different. And uh, sand trap, woods, rough, water, it didn't matter. And, and, you know, until if I had just made it here, by the way, you know, you can change your swing, but that costs money that I didn't have. That tossed time that I didn't have. I never practiced. So all I had to do was aim a little to the left. Thanks for the one person that was following me. Left. Just aim a little to the left. And I started finally aiming. Because eight out of ten times that I swing the club, the ball moves a little bit to the right. Duh. Aim a little to. So I made the small adjustment. So that's the fairway. Made the small adjustment. (laughs) Maybe turn my club in just a little bit, and it shaved immediately, shaved seven, eight strokes off of my, if you're in the golf world, that's a lot. That's a lot. You want to have less strokes. Okay. The lower the score, the only game that the lower the score is what you want. And so I went from hitting the ball 90-something times in a round to hitting it 80-something times, and every once in a while, 70-something times, just by making a very, listen, very minor Adjustment. Wonder what minor, small 
adjustment you need to make that could change everything. Verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Everybody say 75. 75. <laughs> now I want to be careful with this question. But how many would say, I'm, 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 I'm in the retirement age group? Raise your hand. Let me, all right, let me help you. It's over 65. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on. Even if you're still working, come on, be proud. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want to know who I'm talking to. I've said this from this pulpit before, and it's time I say it again. God is not done with you yet. Do you understand? God is not finished with you yet. There, 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 is, no, uh, there is no parameters or preference on obedience. There's no age preference. Look at the screen. You are never too old to carry the promise. You are never too old to carry the promise. You're never too young, and you're never too old. There are no parameters on obedience. Even if, hey, even if you have to pass it off, come on, even if you have to pass the promise off before you fully see it fulfilled, God has a purpose for you. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. There is no stopping in the kingdom. You might retire from your job and your income, but there is no retirement in the kingdom of God. Somebody give him praise if you believe that. Come on. Verse 5, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people that he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. Now, time out. This dude had some money. He was wealthy. He was also well on in years. He could have taken the attitude, listen, he could have taken the attitude that we do often. Um, I'm good. Thank you so much for the blessings, God, man. I'm, you have blessed me beyond measure. This is, I have a beautiful home. I have a, a, a you know, I, I don't have any kids, but I have, you know, you've blessed me beyond measure. It's just, it's, it's an amazing, I'm good. Maybe 30 years ago, I would have done this. But today, listen, I think I'll pass on the promise. I think I'll pass on the promise. Abram didn't do that. And God forbid that any of us pass on the promise. Verse, or let's continue. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. Here we go again with the future. I will give this land. Does he say he's going to give it to him? To his descendants. This is a huge takeaway. You need to write this down or take a picture of this slide. When God gives us a promise, it's always bigger than us. It's bigger than us. A God promise will outlive us. A God promise will stretch on into eternity. Why? Because we serve a God that is eternal and his promises are everlasting. This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying about the faithful in Hebrews eleven thirty nine. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. 
Hebrews 11 is full and devoted of, of honoring those that had great faith. Abraham is included in this. But it says none of them received all of what had been promised. Why? Because the promise was bigger than them. The promise outlived them. Their job was just to carry it for a little while and then to pass it on to the next generation, pass it on to the next faithful servant. The Winter Olympics just wrapped up. Anybody watch any of it? No, I didn't either. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. I did. It was, some of it was really interesting. But the Olympics made this, many years ago, coined this phrase, passing the, the torch. That's what this is talking about. Look at the screen. A God promise is not yours to keep. It's yours to share. It's not yours to keep. It's not about you. It's not about you having it. It's about you holding it and sharing it. And then passing it on. This past week, we lost a general of the faith. We lost a hero. Billy Graham for 99 years. He understood what it meant to hold loosely his gifts and his promises and to pass them along to millions. Watch this video. I do not believe that any man can solve the problems of life without Jesus Christ. And when I stand before God, I do not want justice. E quando eu me aproximo de Deus, eu não busco justiça. If I get justice, I'm lost. I want mercy. you know Christ? Has he given you assurance and hope that the moment you die, you go into the presence of Christ? The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And God warns, prepare to meet thy God. God warns time after time, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. One of these days, you're going to be taken to the graveyard, but your soul will have gone into eternity, heaven or hell. And your way to heaven is only through a knowledge of Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. your sins. Confess that you're a sinner. You can do it right where you are, right now. At this moment, you say, how long does it take? Just a moment, the twinkling of an eye. Amen. Incredible life, incredible testimony, incredible man of God always seemingly above reproach, and we're so thankful for his life and his testimony, but he's a man. He's just a man. No different than you, no different than me. He surrendered all. He gave all. And he learned this this principle of, of carrying loosely those promises and being willing to pass them at any moment. 
I told you a few minutes ago about the opportunity to go to Bangkok and I leave tomorrow. I've been asked to speak at a leadership, Christian leadership conference. And in Bangkok, there are more prostitutes than believers. It's one of the least Christianized areas of the entire world. Less than 1%. And you've got these faithful warriors. These men and women of God who have given everything to evangelize this dark area. And I've been asked to go and be a part of a conference to speak into their life and encourage them and to teach. And... This guy that asked me to go do this, that's putting this on, I I told him no twice last year at least. I said, I I can't. My schedule will not allow. It's too far. I've just got too many things going. And when he asked me this time, that was coming out of my mouth. That literally was coming out of my mouth. And the Holy Spirit said, close your mouth. And I said, I'll call you back. And so I prayed about it. I got with my wife and said, can we do this? Can we pull this off? Because I'm going to Israel, you know, when I get back. And can we, I got with the staff, the elders. I said, you know, are we okay? And they said, hey, if you're feeling like this is God, then you need to go. And so I called him back. And I said, I'm in. Don't know why, but I'm in. And he said, I know. I've been praying. And he said, the conference goes for three days, teaching all through the day, and it culminates in one night on Friday night with everybody in the same room, and I want you to be the keynote for the whole thing. I was like, what? Okay. And he said, and here's the deal. And he began to tell me that the Asian, in the Asian culture, honor is everything. Honor, honor, honor. He said, what's happening is these, these elder statesmen, these elder leaders in the Christian church there, are getting up in age. And because of honor, they feel like they're going to lose their honor if they pass the torch, if they pass things along, if they let... The younger ones are coming up and they're ready and they're thirsty and they're hungry to lead, but they're not being given the opportunity. And, it's, and they have honor for the... They're not, they're not pushing and the older ones aren't giving. And he said, so your assignment... And I'm like, oh my gosh. Your assignment, I want you to teach on Elijah and Elisha, the transition... And I want you to do it in a way under the anointing that that will be diplomatic, won't cause, you know, offense, but that you will get the point across of the need for this thing to start transitioning. And I'm like, oh, no problem. (laughs) Y'all need to pray. Yeah, no big deal, you know. But you know what? God, as I began to pray, God gave me a word. And so this Friday... This Friday, when you wake up 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning, it's 12 hours later there, okay? So that service will be beginning when you get up on Friday morning. How many will pray for me when you get up? Put an alarm, put something in your phone, pray for me when you get up on Friday. I want you to pray for me before we leave as well. But I want you to tell, this, this whole thing, this, 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 this relates to the message because it's so important that we realize the promises of God are bigger than us and that we can't hold too tightly and that God will use us and then it's as, as, as we get, begin to pass those things along. And we may not see it all fulfilled in our lifetime, but that's not our concern. We just need to be obedient. Obedient. Let's finish. I want to finish with this last line of the text. And Abram built an altar there. 
and dedicated it to the Lord who appeared to him. Throughout ancient history, people built altars all the time, most of them pagan altars, but, but, but Abram would build one wherever he went, wherever he met with God. And he built these for two reasons. Number one was worship. Worship. Y'all need to hear me. I, I know it's getting long here, but listen. Abram realized he couldn't survive without the presence of the Lord. He realized the promises aren't going to survive without the presence. He realized that he could not survive without communion with his God. He knew a secret that we also must embrace. Look at the screen. Worship is the key to renewing our love and loyalty to God. Worship is the key. Folks, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. We walk through some junk every single day. Can I get an amen? I mean, from the youngest to the oldest here, we walk through some stuff, and that stuff piles up. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it begins to cover up and blind us from our purpose, blind us from those promises of God. It conceals all of those good things. But when we worship, When we get into God's presence, He begins to declutter our life. And He begins to move those things out of the way. And suddenly we rediscover the treasure beneath. And that treasure is our relationship with Jesus. That treasure is all those visions and those dreams and those promises that we've forgotten about. They're still there. We just have to uncover it. And we do it through worship. We do it through getting in His presence. Oh my God, that's a word for somebody. You can't just expect to come in here once or twice a month in a service and that happen. You might, get a, you might get one layer. You've got to get in His presence every day. Build an altar every day. Worship the King of Kings and let Him declutter those things so that you can begin to see that promise again. Hallelujah. That's a word to somebody. If you want to become a candidate to carry the promise, and I know you do, and so do I, then you must value worship. The second reason he built the altar was to serve as a reminder. Altars were made of stone, and they would often be there for hundreds of years. And this altar would be a reminder to Abram of when God met with him and when God spoke this promise. And when he had days of doubt, days when he was like, what in the world? Remember what we were talking about in the very beginning? God, where are you? What is happening? He undoubtedly had moments and times like that, just like you. But see, he had an altar and he could go back to that altar and he could see it and he could know, no, this is where God met with me and I know this is real. And when God speaks to your heart, and I know that He will, if you worship Him, He will speak. He'll speak through somebody. He'll speak through His Spirit. But He will always line up with this. He will speak through His Word. He'll speak through the pastor. And when He does, you need to write it down. You need to build an altar, a spiritual altar that you can point back. Maybe it's the death. Maybe it's the enemy's coming against you or somebody is talking about, no, that's not God. That's not God. No, say, no, here, here is why. I met with God right there and he spoke to me. A reminder, a reminder. One more verse and I'm done, I promise. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift, every good and perfect promise is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who do, does not change 
like shifting shadows. Listen, we are the ones who change, not him. And everything good, these promises are from him. If we stay connected to Jesus Christ and centered on him, if we are intentional about our worship and about remembering what he has already done, then the good things of God, these promises of God that are specific to your life and your family, they will begin to come bubbling up out of you. You won't even be able to stop them. You won't have to force it. You won't have to try to manufacture it. You won't have to try to come up with it. They'll just happen because as you press into Jesus Christ, he will begin to move in your heart and in your life and declutter and those things will begin to rise up and bubble out. It's amazing. It's beautiful how it happens. Because here's the big idea. Jesus is the ultimate promise. It's always been about him. It's always been. And if God speaks something specific for you to do and for you to carry out, ultimately, it's still about him. It's still about him. As soon as you think it's about you or your gift or your accomplishment, get ready for, the, for, for a, a departure. Get ready for another test and another lesson. And that's okay. God can deal with that. It just delays. How many are ready to stop the delays? And get on with what God has promised you. Come on.